welcome to Catalyst Happy Hourish with me, Anthony. And me, Darren. And today we have a very special guest. We have Bronwyn with us. Thank you for being with us. That's okay. It's a pleasure. Yeah, we're very excited by this. We've been excited for a few weeks. Coming <laughs> <up>. <laughs> it's because it's the BBC. You know, that's, that's, that's the big thing. You're like, this is like, the, you're like the biggest guest that we've had. Well, is it the biggest guest that we had? Is that the right word I'm using? Yeah, don't tell the rest of our guests that. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, if you look at Mel, you look at Sarah and Liv. I mean, we we know all these people. That's the we thing. We know them all. We know them all. But this is like yeah, our biggest but... guest that we don't know. That you know, like like I've said in previous podcasts, that we said that they've had to go to their communications department yeah. to get the okay with everything. Oh. It's like this is big. The pressure, the pressure guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but if if uh, you're listening today, if you have any questions for us regarding today or future podcasts or anything you listen to in the past, you can find our contact details at www.catalystyouth.org.uk, where you also find blogs, YouTube channel, and our contacts on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and email, which is Anthony or Darren at catalystyouth.org.uk, or the one we both read, which is info at catalystyouth.org.uk. Youth.org.uk. Um, but you don't really want to hear from us because we have more to talk about today. So, Darren, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, actually, I think, should we get Bronwyn just to introduce herself and tell us who she is? Because we've just said we've got Bronwyn. <laughs> it could be anybody, you know. Could just be some random off the street, couldn't they? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, so, my name is Bronwyn Thomas. I'm a production manager and I work at the BBC in the currently in the Natural History Unit in um, Bristol. So, we're going to start off with the um, first question, which is always an easy one, um, just to, you know, just to relax us and relax you so you don't get chucked in at the deep end which we'll come to later um <laughs> <laughs> so we, what is your favorite movie now you see i don't think this is actually that easy a question <laughs> it's, it's, it's an interesting one because darren and i will always say oh we always start with an easy question whereas we're really into films we forget that it's not that easy <laughs> See, because I do, I love films and I watch a lot, as my husband will testify, I watch a lot of TV and I love films, but I like all kinds of things. So like right across different genres, I like to actually think of one particular movie is quite difficult, but I think... I think if I was going to plump for something, it's, I mean, it's probably a bit of a catch-all, isn't it, really? But I would probably go for Star Wars, but only because when I was a kid in the 70s, I'm showing my age now, um, a little kid, I like to point out, a small <laughs> child, um, my dad took me and my sister to watch it and like the originals and remember like really getting into it and he was really into it and it was kind of something we shared. Yeah. And then I think as, you know, more of them came out and they've obviously been revisited recently and we've done the same things with our kids. So we've gone as a family to the cinema to see like the more recent ones. And um, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, it's sort of a shared thing, isn't it, throughout the generations. And they're always like a good yarn. There are some are better than others. Let's let's yeah. face that straight away. But I think, you know, there's some good ones in there. There's some, there's some great stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm going to do what i do to darren when he does this as well and he picks a series what would you pick if you had to pick one out of out of the series you're gonna ask that you see all the purists will say go for like the classics 70s you know the first ones which were great i did love han solo in those days i don't know but then i quite like i quite like the last three as well the most recent three wasn't a big fan of the middle three am i allowed to say that don't know yeah sure. but, um yeah i don't know it's quite hard to pick one isn't it okay 
That was a good dodge around the question. It yeah. was, wasn't it? That was... <laughs> I think the stories are all pretty much the same, aren't they? I mean, that's the thing. You're just kind of like the first three and the last three were kind of a little bit of a reworking. Oh, I did really like Rogue One, though, which was Ooh. an offshoot yeah. of the whole thing. That was good. I did really enjoy that. So, okay. yeah. So have you watched any of the um, series on Disney Plus, like The Mandalorian that they've... No, I haven't got Disney Plus. Am I missing out? Should I be watching that? The first season, yeah. I mean, we we were discussing this just the other day, that actually me and Anthony haven't even got around to watching the second season yet. (laughs) And it's been and gone. So I think by the time we get to it, but I think the third season will be just hitting the screens. But if if the first lot is anything to go by, it's definitely worth a watch. It's okay, really good. I have to... Steal someone's subscription, try it. <laughs> yeah, why not? So um linking to that first question then is our usual because we you know we're into movies, we're into music, and this is the music one. So we'd like to know what your favorite artist and album is. And please don't be like um Mel. What does she call herself? Oh, a Durani. Yeah, we had no idea. I mean, we had to Google oh, boys, what it you was. Are like, too what? Young. I mean, You're too young. Do you not know who Duran Duran are? I yeah. know who Duran Duran are, but when she said Durani, we're like, Yeah, so you were, you were, you were a Durani or a Whammy. I mean, basically. I think what I'm impressed by though is that that means you've listened to it, which is great. I <laughs> well, I had to check you guys out, you see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so mine are always a bit different I'm not like I'm, I'm more of a radio listener so I'll listen to eclectic things like across loads of stuff um, rather than tending to buy an album and listen to it you know have a favorite you know the the kind of joke is when we were kids that it, when you said to someone what's your favorite album everybody said uh Joshua Tree you too <laughs> just because that was the thing to say you know nice. but I think so there are kind of probably more things that mark moments in time for me that make me feel good is if that makes sense I suppose um when I was in my early 20s I went traveling and I remember going around Australia and this was like the early 90s and um I remember someone like lending me a cassette and it was Oasis what's the story morning glory and I'd not heard of them because I'd been away I'd been away for a year and they'd obviously like really taken off you know there was the whole blur Oasis thing going on and I'd just been out of the loop and they said oh you know Oasis and I'm like I don't know who they are like being a real and anyway so they gave it to me and it I just remember going and and listening and these were the days when you had a Walkman you know with proper tape and all of that kind of stuff and listening to it and it was kind of like the little soundtrack of my bit where I went traveling when I was living in Sydney and then I went traveling so that's got a little place close to my heart I suppose and probably like a a one-off would be um Tonight's going to be a good night by the Black Eyed Peas. Do you know that one? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I won't sing it. <laughs> <laughs> I won't do that to you. But um, yeah, that was like, that was on the playlist at my 40th. It was the first song on my playlist at my 40th party. And I think that's always like, it's a bit of a crowd pleaser, that one, isn't it? Yeah. You kind of feel really good when that comes on. You just want to dance. Nice. Yeah, I like that. I like the Oasis, isn't there? That's good. Yeah, oh, yeah it's a bit of a classic <laughs> album that now, isn't it? Love yeah. that. Had a bit of that at our wedding. It was great. Nice. Oh, brilliant. Well, no. Uh, yeah. I mean, you you got the answers there, so that's that's good. Did I get them right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but we'll, we'll jump straight on to why why have we invited you onto the podcast? So um, obviously, we are doing a series at the moment where we talk about people's careers and the jobs that they do, and. Uh, we have touched on it. You have quite a 
special job, one maybe people don't hear about a lot. Um, can you explain to us what, what is it that you do for a job? I can. So um, I'm a production manager at the BBC, but obviously you don't have to work at the BBC to do that job. You can do it, you know, at Indies, at ITV, anywhere. So essentially uh, what I do is I um, look after the logistics of filming um, and in tandem with the series producer, we manage the team together. And basically I sort of manage... I suppose, the risk, the money, the practicalities of it um, in that production management role, um, uh, which runs alongside the editorial. So essentially, you, you have a team where you'll have like maybe a production management assistant, production coordinators who actually s physically set up the shoots. So they're the ones who book the crews and do the call sheets and set up each of the filming trips. Um, and then you'll have the production manager who oversees the whole production and then on the other side you'll have researchers assistant producers producers and the series producer who again sits at the top of that and looks after it so i the series producer and the production manager run the production together so essentially um yeah i look after the money and um the practicalities of it i would say probably Is that a good enough description i'm not quite sure yeah no it's yeah. good quite quite high up then by the sounds of things in, in that um, production yeah, in the in across the production, yes. So you're basically running the production um, wow. alongside the series producer, and then you in turn answer to sort of production executives who look across a whole portfolio of of productions and you know a lot of things. I mean, you can on the um, I'm currently working on Planet Earth three at the moment, but um, which is a full time job. But you can work on smaller productions and end up in the BBC being a production manager across a couple of productions which I've done in the past and worked on two at a time cool. sometimes three but that can be quite hard work <laughs> <laughs> that's only if they're sort of smaller yeah so, yeah nice oh I like it I like it yeah so how did you get into that job what what uh, called you to it well um I think I'd always I'd always love telly. My dad actually worked in TV. He was a producer. He used to do like languages television. So, you know, those like awful 70s um, things you used to get in French class and things like that with the kids walking along and doing the funny sort of thing. So they used to make, um, you know, uh, language television for those. And my dad was a producer. So he used to go away quite a lot in those days. They'd go away for sort of six weeks to France or Spain or whatever and make the school's television stuff you know that, that we saw in class um and I remember sort of when we were quite young going some you know we went to pick up at work and things like that we go to television center which is that big brown building you know you see on Alan Deck Saturday Night Takeaway you know that yeah. one and um the corridors are curved and I just remember so I was really quite small I just remember like running along those corridors and we were allowed to go into the galleries when they were making things so things like they would let us sit in the back and watch like the making Grange Hill and um and really show me now Blake Seven and things like that which is like you know and I always I always I mean it was exciting because we didn't have the internet then we didn't have um all the things that kids have now I mean kids are much more into you know uh you know doing stuff on the internet and yeah. YouTube and you know, TikTok and all that kind of stuff. And TV is a bit old hat probably for them. But for, at that time, you know, TV was, was that exciting. Yeah. And um, so I think there was always sort of an element of that. And then um, I, I went to university and I remember going to the careers talks and there were all sorts of things you'd go to. There were things like, you know, I don't know, Marks and Spencers and, and you know, companies and things like that. And I went to the media one and there was somebody there from... Um, 
this morning, I think. And where else? There, you know, there was one from a newspaper and a radio station. And I remember them sort of talking and saying, oh, it's the competition's quite fierce. We get a lot of lot of people applying. And I just remember thinking, but somebody's got to get those jobs. So, and it was the only time I'd really kind of thought, because I'm a bit of a doubter, I doubt myself a bit. And I think it was it was the only time I'd kind of thought, yeah, but someone has to get those jobs. Yes. So you kind of got to put yourself out there to do it. Yes. So I, I kind of, in I, I did a little bit of work experience as well, um, which I think helped. And then anyway, I, I, I was um, finished uni, I went away traveling. And then when I came back, I just applied for tons and tons of jobs in like media stuff, but it was kind of publishing, um, TV, um, all kinds of things. I got so many rejection letters. I literally, and some people don't even bother replying to you, you know, you're literally like, oh, here we go, another one, another one. Yeah. But then I, I got a, I saw an ad in the Bristol Evening Post for a uh, production secretary on the Really Wild Show. I don't know if you guys yeah, yeah, yeah. remember this is back in the day and um and I thought right okay so I'm gonna apply for that and uh they gave me an interview and I'm pretty sure they probably gave me an interview because I'd actually shown an interest and done some work experience and had something on my CV that showed an interest in TV mm. um so anyway went for that didn't get it but they said to me well we'll put you in a pool of people if that's okay with you and if another job comes up we'll give you a call and a couple of months later they gave me a call and a job had come up in something called a wild vision at the time which was natural history unit and um who uh they made like natural history programs for worldwide at the time and um, they said okay do you, you know do you want to do this job and so i was like yeah great so yeah that, that's how it started so it was really i mean it was nothing it was bristol evening post yeah that, you know did it for me and then you know from there I sort of you know worked across both unscripted in Bristol and the natural history unit so um I a year later I the job on the really wild show came up again and so I applied for it internally and got it and then worked on that and then I got a trainee production coordinator job which is the is the next one up and um and I did production coordinating for probably about 13 14 years and then for the last 10 years I've been production managing I suppose wow so yeah okay. it just kind of went from there and I mean a lot of people not not that many people I think stay in one job for forever but uh, you know a lot of people leave the BBC you know and go and work at indies and and mm. all of that sort of stuff and come back but I've yeah sometimes I feel like oh maybe I should have but then I've always quite enjoyed the things that I've been working on and enjoyed the output and opportunities have come along for the next thing. And I've thought, oh, that sounds good. So I've, you know, I've stayed there. And then um, Bristol's quite good because they have, you know, we've got the natural history in it, which is great. So there's tons and tons of output there. But um, we've got quite a lot of returning series is unscripted. So you've got things like Antiques Roadshow, you've got Gardener's World. What else have they got? They did have Bargain Hunt when I was production coordinating and Flog It. Um, Oh, classic yeah, daytime yes, telly. Hey? Gla- classic daytime telly. Oh, it is, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> DIYSOS. I mean, all sorts of stuff. So, no. yeah. That's really cool. It's 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 cool as well to hear about you growing up as well and experiencing it and going to going to see the studios and things like that. Um, I mean, I remember seeing those those types of videos in school. You like you knew it was a good day when that TV got rolled in. Yeah, <laughs> the giant TV that you know yes. two people to push it into the classroom. Yeah. I mean, I mean, most of the uh, you know younger people that's listening to this will be going, "What? 
Yeah. You stick what on the projector about? and it just goes on the screen. I mean, I, I grew up going to primary school with an overhead projector and the acetate sheets used to go on, they used to sing the hymns to and everything. We, we had but, them. Um, yeah, um, sticking on to that same question, because um, you said you're at university, what did you did you study a subject that was linked to the job that you no, wanted to do? Not at all. I did history. So essentially, people were like, oh, so you're going to be a teacher or a librarian? And I was like, oh, no, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, love, really. I love that that's the only two jobs you can get from yeah. teacher or librarian. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I was a bit like, oh, I don't think I've got the patience to teach. Take my hat off to teachers. They do an amazing job. But I just, I couldn't, yes, I, I don't think I'm patient enough to do that. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I think that was the thing. And, you know, we were really lucky in those days because you didn't have to pay for your degrees like you do now, you know. So it was much easier for everybody to go if they wanted to. You know, you got your grant for your living expenses and it was free. Whereas now I think it's much harder for kids. They've got to really think hard about, you know, whether they want to go or not because they just end up with a lot of debt at the end of it. Although mm -hmm. the way you pay the debt back is kind of quite incrementally. So it shouldn't put people off going if they want to. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely not. I mean... Um, my wife Sarah is obviously with um, Mel, your friend, um, and my friend now as well. She's part yeah. of our she's part of our dining room. Every time I walk downstairs, she's there, literally <laughs> on a video call with Sarah. Um, but yeah, Sarah I mean, could, I can. Sarah could say the same about me and you, though, Dan. I'm yeah, always probably, in your office. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you are looking to do a degree or any higher education at university level, um, you don't let the debt side of things put you off because. No. You have to be earning, I think it's something like 25. I can tell you because my son is applying at the moment. It's okay. £27,295. There and you go. Before you even start paying back. And then you'll only pay back 9% on anything you earn over that. So, you know, it, and they wipe your debt after 30 years. So a lot of people will never pay that back you know no, i mean my my wife sarah is not looking to be paying it back <laughs> sorry government but uh, <laughs> she's um literally wanted to work part-time she she doesn't want to she plan thing is with because obviously she's studying to be a counselor so she's never going to be earning that great deal of money unless you know she starts working at harley street which you know that that that's the goal for me and then, I, and then i can you know give up work and um you know, live a life of luxury. That'd be quite nice. <laughs> Just do a podcast all the time. Yeah, yeah. All the time. Yeah, you know, we're, we're going, you know, high places with these podcasts. I mean, we, we know people in the BBC now, so who knows? Maybe yeah, we've well. got links now. We've got links. <laughs> um, perhaps, no, we, it, perhaps we could get our podcast put in the credits of something. You know? <laughs> or just a flash image, you know. those <laughs> Just placement in the background of things. Just me and you. You know, as, as they're filming, like an iguana or something, the way they're going. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Be like a little Easter egg in there. Yes. There you go. Sorted. Oh, my my mum would record it and she'd rewatch it over and over just to see my face on telly. So it's yeah. not send it to the family. Someone would yeah. watch it. Just like your Blue Peter day, eh? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you can't beat Blue Peter. Did you get a badge? I did. Um yeah, we, we talked about it last week on the podcast, actually. Uh so I did green power racing and got a badge there, uh, which linked quite well. To the fact that well no it wasn't last week was it we talked we talked to Liv last week it was the week before it was it was last behind. week because Liv would be today yeah so Liv, we're recording this on, on Friday the twelfth so <laughs> it gets all complicated when you're recording stuff in advance we're always like uh, today and last week but then we we're like hang on a minute well this ain't coming out till Friday and then your mind just gets like all over the place but, but it, it worked out quite well because yeah I did, I did Green Power Racing which is um 
your battery powered cars and uh, and blue peter came to my college what did i work out to be down 12 years ago wasn't it yeah uh that i did it and was on blue peter and uh, then we talked to live about her her instagram about living a sustainable life and now we're chatting to you so it all linked up quite nicely about nice. um, how but but yeah so we've heard a lot about how you got into the job and uh where how you trained to do it and things like that but you you mentioned you'd been in it quite a while yeah so you must have some great moments from the job <laughs> do you have a favorite that you're allowed to talk about and that is appropriate <laughs> I mean, there's lot. There are lots of things. I think um, oh, it's difficult, isn't it? I think um, so. Probably there are doing the different things, the things slightly outside of what you would normally do. So um, we don't do a ton of um, live broadcasts from Bristol. It's not the kind of program we we make. But when I was working on DRI SOS as a production coordinator, we did do. We did a live weekend, which was kind of in equal measures, thrilling and terrifying (laughs) when you've never done live TV before. And um, also with the added pressure of having to get somebody's house rebuilt basically in about three days. I mean, this this was back in the early days. So probably series three and four, I think they're on like series 28 now or something like that. So um, the the builds that they were doing then are uh, not the kind of builds that they do now where they sort of rebuild somebody's house. It was, you know, you sort of go in and do somebody's kitchen or maybe their kitchen and their living room or something like that. Um, But it was still quite a lot to organize with a, um, with a, you know, with a team who's like coming in and doing live filming and, yeah. and that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I think that was great. There was kind of like a real buzz about that. And live TV is, um, yeah, I think you definitely get a taste for it or you don't. It's 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 one of those things. I'm not sure if I would want to go back and do it again. You know, some people get the buzz and are like, yeah, I love this. It's great. And the good thing about live TV is that when it's done, it's done, it's out, it's gone. You yeah. can't change it, you know, whereas if you're, you know, if you've got something you can fiddle with, you can fiddle with it for a, for a long time, you know, Mm. but, um, so yeah, that was quite exciting. And I, (laughs) I do remember some very late nights and, um, going back to the hotel at something like three o'clock in the morning and sitting with the editors who were editing it and having a a glass of wine at three in the morning and slightly losing it because you've gone (laughs) slightly delirious, you know, it's all just like madness, but it was good. It was, it was a great experience. That was, you know, that was fun. Um, I don't know. Well, uh, last year, no, probably a couple of years ago, I went to the People's Choice Awards. Sometimes you get nice little things, not that often, but you know where you get they you get to do something. And yeah. I went with the um, the Blue Planet Two team, and they were up for a, an award. And um, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we were sitting between the Love Island table and the um, this morning table, and you know, I'm not ashamed to say I get starstruck. I was literally kind of like. <gasps> so and so this so and so I was like trying to take pictures of people you know <laughs> how you do send them home to my kids going look there's Megan from Love Island you know that kind of stuff and um but then you know and and like Holly and um Philip Schofield and people like that you know they weren't quite as impressed by that whereas I was <laughs> but um yeah it yeah that kind of thing I mean that that was that was fun that was a really good oh. night you know 
That's really cool. Like that. uh, it's, I mean, look at that. We've made it, Dan. Name drop. Yeah, I mean, you know, the only there. thing that I've ever gone to is um, my my youth award that I got from the mayor of Bridgewater. And, <laughs> you know, that, that is the only like award ceremony I've ever been to, apart from being at school when I got a, this weird cup thing for... I- you know. I'd just like to add in though For anyone listening that knows Darren got this award That wasn't on his wall Until we had to be on Zoom So it could be in the background <laughs> It's the only award I got for youth work So you know Yay, there. that's brilliant I think, you know, and this was not I was, I was, you know, I get starstruck I'm not, you know, I'm still like Wow, look, there's so-and-so, there's so-and-so It's not, hmm. you know no, It's still a thrill, isn't it, doing that kind of stuff Oh yeah, it's really cool I mean, you see it on um, TV programs um, that cele- other celebrities meeting celebrities, and they still they get starstruck. Yeah, because like, in your head, you're still sort of like the person you've always been, and you're like, you know, you may be really famous, but you've still got the same insecurities and mm. the same worries mm. and the same thoughts about yourself that you've always had. So then you meet other people that you think like, oh my god. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't think who it is, but I, I remember seeing a red carpet thing. It was Jennifer Lawrence, and I can't remember who she was really starstruck by, but I, I know the presenter said to her, do you want to go and say hello? And she was like, no chance. That's <laughs> what I'd be like. <laughs> yeah. I kind of thought I was. I was kind of a bit sort of eyes down, just looking, going, eh, eh, yeah, I can see these people, but there's, you know, some um, uh, some people were brave and said, can I have a photo with you? And things like that. And I just couldn't do it. I just yeah. felt too sort of like... <sighs> No, I can't, you know. <laughs> I was the same. I, I um, used to work for Bridgewater Hospital and they used the x-ray department for some TV program. I never actually saw it on TV, so I don't even know if it actually made it there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there was a guy who I used to watch that was on the bill. I can't remember his actual name on the bill or in person, but I was there in um, minor injuries um, reception checking people in and I'm stood there whilst he's sat there drinking a coffee and I'm looking at him going, can I, can I get a quick picture? And then <laughs> sneaky up my phone, you know. Well, you know, also trying to be professional as you know, you're working for the hospital, checking people in. And that's me trying to get this sneaky photo, which was absolutely rubbish in the end because you couldn't really see it. Um, yeah. but it's it's that sort of thing. You're just like yeah. I mean, he was just from the bill, you know. I know. It's just because they do something in the public eye, isn't it? And and it's that thing where you're like, I've got to be cool about this. I, I've got to be cool, you know, but Inside, yeah. your inner teenager is going woohoo! <laughs> you know, walking past him as well. You know, literally, because I have to um, take over like the notes to the nurses that's in the hospital. And literally walking past him and going, "All right." <laughs> like, trying like, really cool and then but, he, he just looked up and just smiled at me, and that was it. It was like, "All oh, right, sod you know." It is interesting <laughs> because, like, I recognise people, but I was chatting to Georgia the other day about this, and she was this, my girlfriend, and she was saying that because we were chatting about people on telly, and she went, "I don't think." I'd recognised them if they walked past me. Oh, it's because we started watching the Celebrity Circle. And I was going, oh, he's from Blue and blah, blah, blah. And she's going, I don't think I'd recognise them. But she is the type. She went to London 2019 and she sent me a photo and went, do you know this person? Michael Bull. <gasps> really? She didn't know. She was like, he dressed, he was, he's in Les Mis and he was at the backstage door and I, I knew we'd know Les Mis. What, and you didn't know Michael Bull? <laughs> when you're not expecting to see people or you can't I have to write this is going to be really hideously name droppy but um and this is nothing to do with my job at all this is my sister worked at the um the BFI the British phonographic industry who put on the Brits every year and so she would get to go to the Brits and was allowed to take someone with her (laughs) which I was always like me (laughs) so um we did it a couple of years now the first year we did it now this this was probably 
oh, was it early 2000s? Can't remember. Maybe it was the 90s. <laughs> anyway, it was before they started getting all the um, uh, all the security in and that sort right. of stuff, so that you were completely cut off from anybody remotely famous and couldn't bother them at all. You know, these were the days where you could just like wander around and you know stand next to people and be like. Um, yeah. And I had to go and sell raffle tickets around the table as part of that. You know, they said, "Yeah, you can come, but you got to sell raffle tickets." I was like, "Yeah, that's fine by me," and went to a table and did exactly what your girlfriend did, and was a bit like, and everyone was a bit like, "Oh, you know, I don't want raffle tickets." You know, and there was one guy on there who's just like, just like, she's trying to talk to us guys. Be, yeah. you know, listen, I'll <laughs> buy them from you. And I was like, "Oh, thank you so much." You know, da, 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 da. yeah, did it, went off, and it wasn't until the next day in the newspapers there were pictures, and it was J.K. of Jamiroquai. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, didn't even recognise him. Just some guy with a beard, you know. <laughs> at the time, it's that thing where you're just a bit like, uh. Uh, yeah just love that mm. i mean i was starstruck when i was in london we were off to watch a um a show a musical it was um i think it was matilda or it could have been jersey boys one or the other and um we were walking by um where the bbc recorded radio the radio um and steve wright walked past and i went sarah sarah that was steve wright and he smiled at me she went who's steve wright Well, that was, I mean, we've there gone off go. on a complete tangent. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, I know. That was just no. like nothing to do with my job at all. It was my sister. But, well, it, it's sort of, it's good because I think it, I think within the last question, you sort of answered the next one as well as to what's the most unexpected thing to happen because you talked about live TV. And, but is there anything else that was really unexpected to happen in your job role? Um, I think, um, so there, I mean, there are things where, I worked on Fake or Fortune. Do you know Fake or Fortune? Yeah. It's yeah. It's the it's the program where they basically you know people come up with artworks and and um, they want to find out whether they're real or whether they're a fake. You know, people who've bought stuff at you know I bought it for two p at a jumble sale and it's worth a million or something like yeah. that. You know, they're quite inter- they're really interesting programs about you know you following the provenance of a of a you know they're doing a lot of research and stuff. Um, and I think there was a guy who had a Chagall painting and he thought it was a Chagall but he wanted to get the um, Chagall committee you know they wanted to see if it was a, a fake yeah. or not anyway and um, he paid quite a lot of money for this painting and um, it went to the Chagall committee to get verified and they said no it's not it's a fake and normally what happens is if it's a fake you know you you might give it back or you know but they it would be down that you knew it was a fake he just wanted it back anyway they decided that they weren't going to give it back to him and they destroyed it and it's really unusual in the art world to actually destroy a painting you know they might hold on to it and just store it somewhere indefinitely but to actually destroy it was was yeah and that's that's that was (laughs) a bit of a that was quite yeah allowed to do that yeah well yes yes because that's part of the thing. If you submit it to the committee, I think within the the thing that you sign says that they they do have the right to destroy it if it's a fake. But usually they don't. Oh. It's quite unusual. So wow. um, yeah, I dread to think how much you paid for it. Um, yeah. Suddenly he gets a letter going. Oh yeah, we destroyed it. <laughs> well, yeah. There's. I mean, he wanted it back. You know. But, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, even if it's a fact, I mean, you know, people have prints of paintings up in their house all the time, don't they? So, yeah, you know, just to have a, you know, a really good copy of something or, you know. Mm. But wow, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> that would be quite surprising. surprising. That was quite a long time ago, but yeah. Uh, that, you know, dealing, um, you know, at the art world's quite quite unique, you know, the way that it, it deals with things. It's, um, yeah, it's yeah. quite interesting working on that series. It was really interesting. Okay, nice. <laughs> Got involved in a lot of insurance queries about moving artworks around the country when when at one point they were valued at two pounds and then by the time they reach their destination they might be worth five hundred thousand pounds. And how do you insure that? So yeah, lots of exciting oh. things to work on there. Our next question then is um what's one thing you wish you had known before you started your career? Probably not to think that everybody knows everything and you know nothing. <laughs> I think it's that thing that everyone's learning on the job. Nobody's an expert on day one. And I think sometimes, I think everybody probably does this. You put pressure on yourself to be, you want people to think that you're good at your job and that you can do it. But there's, you know, there's so much to learn and you're just learning all the time. I'm, you know, I'm learning now, you know, doing a big landmark um, natural history production. Um, I'm doing things that I've never done before, you know, mm. and I think it's just trying not to stress yourself out too much if you can. I'm a bit of a worrier. I find it hard to take my own advice, but I would probably say to other people, yeah, don't, don't expect to be an expert and there's always loads of people to ask. That's the joy of working at the BBC. You know, there's such a great network there of sort of support and other people doing the same thing. You know, there's usually somebody who's done it before already. So, yeah, that's a good bit of advice to give to someone. Um, but also within the job you're in, there's probably maybe some myths or rumours about your profession that you want to debunk. Is there anything out there? Well, the most common ha- one? having just told you about my starstruck moments... I- <laughs> say it's not glamorous so that's completely like you get going against what I've just said but just generally making tv it's not I think people think it's all glamour and uh yeah that it's glamorous but I it's it's really not a lot of it is really hard work it it can be long boring hours you know like any job you know doing anything the you know the exciting bit is is you know there are exciting bits to it of course there are but um I think I think going if you were going into it thinking you were going to go into something really glamorous you would be mistaken I think you know it's um there are there are lovely bits to it but but there are also bits that you know just yeah quite sort of can be quite tedious and lengthy yeah but then that's like any job isn't it I guess there's good bits and bad bits i think that's right and uh, i mean our next question that we were going to ask is what advice would you give someone wanting to pursue a career similar to yours would would that be very similar advice as well um yeah so i would really encourage people to do it i don't think enough people apply a lot of people apply wanting to be presenters and wanting to be in front of the camera and that's fair enough that's fine that's you know what people want to do um but i think particularly in production management which is what i do um, I don't know why people, I, they're always looking for more people. And I think you don't need a degree. I mean, I happen to have a degree, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't get into TV and I got my first job in TV when I was 26. So I was quite old, you know, I'd been doing other stuff before that. If you've done some work experience, that really helps or that you can show that you've got a bit of 
passion for it. I mean, you might have helped out on hosp- your hospital radio or you might have done your own podcast or you might have, you know, do, do you know what I mean? Yay! Or you've you've done something, you know, you've organised a bit of work experience somewhere or that sort of thing. I think those are the things that people are looking for is um, those sort of uh, that interest that you've actually gone out and, and gone about getting some experience yourself because it's something that you're interested in and you're passionate about. Yeah. Um, the, you know, the BBC are great because they're, they're all, they're, they look for people from all walks of life. Um, they run quite a lot of apprenticeship schemes and things like that for people, you know, 18 and up um, and that sort of stuff. And um, I would just say, you know, be brave. It could be you, you know, you, you've got nothing to lose. I would, I would go for it. And it's, it is really, it's a great job to work in. The, the people are really lovely. You know, the, you're sort of all working towards something that at the end, you've kind of got that tangible thing. It goes out, people yeah. see it. You know, if you're lucky, you get your name on the credits for two seconds. So you can tell your grandma to watch, you know, it's, I'm being a bit, <laughs> bit flippant there, but it's, it's um i think it's a great industry to work in and whether you're doing something slightly more um sort of logistical um as i do or whether you're doing something more creative you're essentially making that program together you know you, you are making it as much as those those people are too so yeah i would i would say to people just do it nice so that, it sounds to me like a really like a team it's a team thing isn't it yeah uh, that's that's what you you kind of be putting across really well actually that no matter what your job is in that whole production of this a series or whatever that you're all working together you're all going towards the same end goal and you know and even with our jobs that you mean anti both there are times where it is quite boring um and it's you know and i think you know listen to what some of the things you know like dealing with your budget of a production and stuff like that I mean, I hate even doing a budget and giving it to, you know, my line manager going, this is what I want to spend this year kind of thing. Um, but you get that in all walks of jobs. And it's yeah. good to hear that, you know, it's not always glamorous, but there are moments where it could be, you know, you could be heading to, you know, the Brits with your sister, um, you know, and you could be going to the People's Choice Awards kind of thing, you know. And I just think that's like really cool. And uh, I must admit, when I was younger, one of the jobs I really wanted to do was be a cameraman. Oh, did you? I don't know why, but the thing is, yeah. I, mean, I never pursued that at all. It was kind of thing, you know, you watch TV and think, oh, I'd like to be behind the camera, you know, filming, and, but never actually did anything about it. So here's my resignation. I'm off to the BBC <laughs> to try and be a cameraman. <laughs> I was saying that, looking at the um, TV productions now, especially when you look at the news, it's all electronic. There's no one behind the camera. <laughs> if you wanted to be a wildlife cameraman, you'd have to like, yeah, you would have to be build up your skill set. <laughs> and also you have to be quite, I, I take my hats off to them because they have to be quite, um, uh, you know, they, they work really long hours. Sometimes you can be on, you know, filming for like 14 hour days and things like that. Or they're sat in a hide waiting for an animal to appear for like three mm-hmm. weeks. And they're just mm-hmm. sat there for 10 hours not moving i mean i mean i was watching um a david attenborough thing it was on one of the evenings so i just happened to be flicking through the channels and at the end you know they do this like the background things of how they filmed it and everything this poor guy had to sit in like a, a trench in the sand filming some i think it was a turtle of some sort and it was the, and he was there for hours and i thought that is a lot of footage to be sat yeah. there trying to film it was crabs that's what it was oh yeah it was crabs and it was like but they wouldn't come out. So he had to be so still recording and had to be there for so long for them to actually go, okay, that this humongous thing sat there is not going to, you know, gobble me up. 
And I thought, you know, I don't think I could do that bit. But I would, you know, yeah. you've got to be, you've got to be really patient to be a wildlife cameraman. Definitely, yeah. you've got to. They were cool, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was the um, what's that? Pro- it was Annika Rice. It was the program I wanted to go on. The helicopter one. Yeah. Oh, did you? Challenge Annika. Challenge, that's the one. Challenge yes. Annika. Now, that was a show I loved. I thought I could do that in a helicopter. You jump out and run. Out, run out. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. amazing. That would be a really good one to present. Uh, see, I've, I've always been, I'd, I'd want to be in front of the camera, I'm afraid. Does would you? <laughs> mm, I, I'm not keen of being in front of the camera. And even when I'm trying to do my assembly, I mean, obviously, being the year that we've had, everything's been in front of a camera that we've had to record stuff and do things, you know, virtually. And I just, just don't feel comfortable doing it. You know, once, once I get going, it's fine. But yeah. it's, the, you know, the first bit of like writing what I'm going to talk about and then putting it all together. Cause you know, in effect, we're doing the whole shebang, you know, on our own. And I, yeah, I just don't, I feel comfortable sat behind my computer sorting stuff out than I do stood in front of a camera. I can stand in front of a room full of kids, absolutely fine. But it's just that camera bit that just really puts me. It's funny, isn't it? I think Zoom's quite hard. I think I think sort of presenting yourself on Zoom is difficult because you don't get the same feedback that you do from people in the flesh, from an audience. People, you know, if you're talking to a group of people on Zoom, people can look quite blank, and you're thinking, "Am I making sense?" As they're, you know, whereas if you're in a room full of people, you get that sort of feedback in a way you don't on Zoom. Yeah, it's a bit disconcerting, isn't it? (laughs) Especially when um, people turn their cameras off. Yeah. yeah, and you're like, are they still there? Are they That's so they can answer their emails. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the whole thing. Um, but moving on, looks you know, it's being like on Zoom and things. Is um, what are the best resources that have helped you along the way? So I would probably say um, the training at the BBC mm-hmm. is is like one of the big pluses of working there. It's world class training, and they're you know they're great at covering all the bases of everything and I would also say the network of people there so when I was production coordinating the other PCs when I'm production managing the other PMs you know that you you've got that group of people and that mass of knowledge of people who've always done something um, that you can ask and we've got you know because it's a big organization we've got departments you know legal departments we've got insurance departments those sort of things so um we do an awful lot of sort of legal stuff, waivers and permissions and things like that, because we go filming all around the world um, to, you know, really quite remote places and um, trying to get people in with 30 bags of kit and, you know, to a tiny place in the middle of nowhere. Sometimes it can, it can take you, you know, eight days to get there. And then you, you know, and you're right in the middle of nowhere and you need a sat phone because you're, you know, you've got nowhere to, nowhere to contact people and all of that in the midst of the jungle or you're in, you know, way out somewhere. So, you know, it, it, I think there's just a really good support network um, that I've definitely appreciated over years for sure, mm. working there. Oh, I like that. Yeah, and I mean, that linked back to what Darren was saying about it being very team-orientated as well, doesn't it? So it's, uh, it's cool. Um, yeah. I know... I know you sort of touched on this that when you did your degree, you didn't know what you wanted to do and, and things like that. But if you didn't get this job, what is another job you would have liked to have had? Oh, you see, yeah, this is a bit tricky. What I thought recently, what I would have quite liked to have done is work for MI5 or MI6. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Only because 
I was looking at jobs when when we I can't remember what it was like a career thing. I know what it was. I heard um, uh, Chris Evans talking to a spy on his radio show on when he was still on Radio Two, and right. somebody who a woman who was obviously I don't know if she was a spy or she was somebody who worked there, and I just suddenly thought, oh my god, that would be a really interesting job to do. I don't know if I'd necessarily want to be a spy, but there are so many jobs there. Again, it's a big organisation with a hundred. 200 however many different jobs yeah i'm sure there would be something there that might fit my skill set <laughs> the only thing i know that i'd be really bad at is that i probably wouldn't be able to keep a secret because you're not meant to tell people you work there yeah. and i think i think i'd just be a bit rubbish at that i think i would just end up going yeah i'm working at mi5 then it'd be like <laughs> yeah that's it you're out even with the application form it does actually state on there you know do not tell anybody you've applied i've applied <laughs> and i never got in did you did, did you, you apply? Yeah, yeah 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 i did apply but never got never got through I Obviously. just don't think, I mean, what do you, what do you tell your family and your, you know, your work and your job is such a big part of your life. You yeah. talk about it at home with your family, with your friends, all those sort of things. How do they manage that? Do they just build up some massive web of lies about what, what they're actually doing at work each day that they work yeah. somewhere else or and how do you sustain that? Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the things is it depends what you're working in there doing. You know, if you're just a, um, an analyst, for say i mean you could just say you know you just say i'm you know i work in a civil servant you yeah know, that sort you, of thing what did you apply for well this is really sad now well no <laughs> because, you bring this up? because we have great. talked to careers now we must have done about yeah. six career podcasts and you have never mentioned that you applied for this well it was because i never got accepted this was donkey i mean this is literally when i left college you know, right. not, not knowing what I wanted to do with my life or anything like that. I thought, you know, give it a go and see what happens. Uh, and I, I literally applied for an analyst job, you know, um, analyzing data, really. Because obviously I did like um, part of my college course that I did was more looking at law and um, it was a public services course. So yeah. it was that sort of thing. So I kind of wanted to go in and do like analyzing perhaps, you know, audio stuff and that sort of thing, but never got accepted. So it kind of left my memory until... And you just literally said about MI5. I was like, oh, yeah, I did actually years ago apply for that. But it's a really weird application form, though. Is it? Because it says that, you know, you don't tell, do not tell anybody that you are applying. Um, And good work. Well, I mean, obviously, they've not still got my application form now because I mean, blooming heck, that was like 20 odd years ago now. That was can you imagine if you got phoned next week? Like, can you come in? Yeah, yeah. We'd, like, we'd like to um, give you an we interview. We found your application. <laughs> it got lost. It was in the spam folder and we just suddenly found it. But yeah, that would be, I think that's a pretty cool job. I mean, yeah, MI5, I do MI5. too. And I think even again, it's like at the BBC, there are tons of different jobs, you know, but it's just being part of that, a part of something that produces something a bit exciting or does something a bit exciting or, you mm. know, it, it, you know, yeah. I, li- I like that you only go for jobs that have companies with free letters in. Or yeah. Free <laughs> but it's like yeah. you know i mean being you know blessed I'm I mean, public service what does that say yeah. i'm a public yeah. servant you are indeed <laughs> um, but it's looking at also especially for um my youth and people in my area for somerset and actually even anthony really for your as well because you're not that far away from london no um it's obviously anthony's west sussex and obviously i'm somerset bridgewater um, but Bristol's just up the road. London for you for um, you, Anthony, is just up the road. So 
don't think that the BBC or anything is out of reach because no, you know, Bristol is literally forty minute drive away from us. You know, it's yeah. Train it's, uh, we away. we have people you know even on our team who live in Cheltenham, who live in you know all sorts of places, and and you know. You, yes, you don't don't rule it out, you know. Mm. And and BBC has obviously got hubs all over. They've got Salford, you know. There's Birmingham, um, you know. Cardiff is really big if you want to go and do drama, you know. That's the place to go. Okay. Um, and that's you know that's pretty close to us here in Bristol. You can get to Cardiff pretty quickly. So you know, don't yes, don't don't ever think it's out of your reach because it's definitely not. Um, so moving on to our next question, then um, I think you kind of touched on this did you touch on this earlier? What, what, what has been your favorite production that you've worked on yeah I, I think I would probably say my my first probably my first job well it was my second job actually because my first job was working in wild vision and then my second job I got the production secretary on the really wild show job right. and that was awesome I, because at, at that point I'd only been at the BBC a year I didn't really have a ton of responsibility in that role you know you're just learning and training and you know your my aim was to become a production coordinator which is the next next step up um but children's tv is just fab because you just can you know there's an opportunity to do a bit of everything so yeah. but but for me at that point without the responsibility <laughs> so that sounds really bad doesn't it but so so you know you were allowed to I was allowed to get involved in doing all kinds of things in loads of different areas in both editorial and in um production management you know uh, they let me um research and put together like a little montage of um white animals it was and so I went away and researched all the um footage for the for the white animals found some music and then went into the edit with the editor and he and cut it with him and it went out in the program and I mean I was actually you know I'd been working at the BBC what a year and a half and I remember being like wow something I've done has actually gone out on on the tv and that was like a big thrill you know that's really cool yeah it was and so I think yeah I, I think yes obviously as you move up you you gain a bit more responsibility and things become probably a bit more serious but um in a good way you know I yeah it's it's um yeah I think probably really wild show I I think probably just because it was one of my it was my first proper production work you know it was exciting I'm going to check in another question now oh if you could work on any production Ooh. that you haven't already done is there any that you think Ooh. oh i'd love to have been part of that or you know is there anything you got your eyes on now maybe that you think you know maybe one day i'd like to or is um, you know blue planet kind of like your retirement plan you know <laughs> planet earth three, planet earth be, three yeah. sorry Why I'm you, be... i got blue planet stuck in my head for some reason i know it's, planet fine, earth it's three, fine sorry it's um yeah well i probably yes they go on for so long the superman landmarks they like go <laughs> usually for four years something like that and obviously we've been hit by corona so things have been set back a little bit but um yeah feels like (laughs) feels like yeah but you know we've got a great team and you know it's it's all good I think I've done quite a lot of I think it's like trying different genres of things so I've done a little bit of live I haven't done very much drama. I've done a little bit of drama in some stuff that I did, but not um, not proper drama production. 
And um, one of the things I haven't done in Unscripted was um, food. Quite like to do a, a sort of studio food show, like a Nigella or something like that. I was doing, I was um, on the Hairy Bikers, um, but that got pulled in the end because um, one of them wasn't very well. So we, that right. one had to be postponed and then I got put on another production. So I didn't end up doing that in the end. But wow. um, yeah, maybe um, maybe those are the sort of the things I think. It's sort of looking for different things you haven't done before, I suppose. Yeah. Done a lot yeah. of natural history, done a lot of um, unscripted sort of factual programming, a little bit of drama. So yeah, maybe maybe food. I'd be quite interested to see how real proper drama works, you know, like something like, you know, I don't know, Downton Abbey or yeah. Bridgerton. These are all not BBC programmes, by the way. <laughs> no, I'm just choosing those in my head where I'm thinking of all big dramas in you know, big stately homes and they're actually, yeah. Um, that would be quite interesting. That would be, then your role is slightly different. Your production manager role would be quite, would be mm. slightly different in those situations. Oh, see, I'd love, I'd love to do some sort of food program. I mean, I watched uh, somebody feed Phil on Netflix, and watching that, I was, like, I'd love to do this job, traveling around, eating, telling people what he thinks. Love it. Yeah. yeah there was a program years ago that um, used to be on the TV. It was on one of the Sky channels. It used to be the guy who used to just go around the America just eating fast food. Man versus uh, yeah. food. It could have been that. Or yeah. me, one of the other. Yeah, it? it was like you know, I think you know, some of that food you look, looks really nice, but by the end, you think. Surely your arteries are clogging up chronic <laughs> with the amount of fat that you've just eaten, you know, deep fried chicken and deep fried cheese mm. and I mean, everything deep fried. Anyone is, that, is that the one where he sort of takes on the challenges to like eat the biggest thing on the menu? Yeah. yeah. You know, like the, a, a steak the size of a small country, you know, it's like just eat that and start sweating and pass out and probably yeah. die, I expect, from the amount of food. It's just that's, yeah. that's the thing. Any, anyone that saw our summer camp online as well, you would have saw that Darren and I attempted to do our own little food clip where we made a cake blindfolded. Perhaps so we should send you? that to the BBC to <laughs> be used. Yeah, maybe you should. Could be a new programme idea. They're always looking, boys. <laughs> we, we couldn't. Darren uses a knife blindfolded. We have to put a warning on it. <laughs> we did. <laughs> you guys, we could be the new Ant and Deck on the BBC. Yeah, yeah. Ant and Daz. Yeah, yeah. literally taken completely. Yeah, done. Perfect. Oh, <laughs> uh, but no, it's uh, it's it's great to chat to you about all this. And obviously, we we said earlier that we had Liv on our last podcast talking about her new Instagram, Living Sustainable. And we've had a lot of young people asking about um, environmental change and sustainability. Uh, if you could give one bit of advice to the young people listening, or to anyone listening, actually on the environment and living a sustainable life what what would it be because i know you've worked on planet earth and things like that so. yeah and the bbc is really passionate you know um sustainability is something they really like you know driving on now you know they're aiming to be um carbon you know net zero by 2030 okay. so um yeah we're all just you know we're trying to think of things and i think um i went um um on a course recently, actually, um, a sustainability. And there were some really good tips in there that I think, and interestingly, they called them like, you know, you talk about your carbon footprint and those sort of things. So they talked about things like um, your toe print, which are the, like the little things you can do, like um, using a water bottle rather than, you know, single use plastic and, yeah. um, you know, recycling and, um, you know, rechargeable batteries, um, 
reducing the amount of paper that you print on those sort of things and then they talked about your footprint which are the bigger things which are like looking at your diet you know where you buy your food from do you buy locally sourced food um trying to eat less meat you know that's a tricky one that's quite hard eating less meat i know darren you're shaking your head you struggle with that i mean i mean yeah i mean like like i said in um last week's podcast when you guys listen to this um we had Liv, who's a um, vegan, she told us. Just trying to find the name of what we called it. And, yeah, um, yeah she, I mean, my, my dad was a slaughterman before he retired, so and a butcher uh-huh. slaughterman. And, yeah, I don't, I've been brought up eating meat with everything. I've eaten many things that you probably wouldn't find in your local supermarket or even in the butcher's shop, to be fair. <laughs> um, I, mean, I mean, last week's podcast was called I won't be a vegan, but I will recycle. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly, you know, I, and I've even actually got the uh, pod, uh, this name, pod, podcast for this one. This is what it's going to be called, if Anthony <laughs> agrees, because I was really, it really like made me chuckle and thought I didn't think this happened. Um, raffle tickets at the Brit Awards. Perfect. Yeah, that's the name. Oh, I mean, no, don't I do mean, that, because the Brit Awards has nothing to do with the BBC oh, at all. Oh, we can't don't call it that. That's nothing to do with it. I mean, it's it's my sister. It sounds like a um a, a, a church fair. I mean, who, who would have thought? You know, you could buy some. You buy the local raffle tickets at the Brit Awards. I mean, we, we've gone off on a tangent again. We mate. have. We have the advice. <laughs> the, the advice is yeah. There's a there's a lot there. Um, so I think yes. I think I think you know there's tons of things you can do. And I would just say sometimes you know if you're struggling to look at the you know the the big things and it can be quite overwhelming because you know things don't look good so yeah. I, I think if everybody does a bit of the small things and starts doing that and gets into that rhythm and does it regularly mm-hmm. then you know the big things will come but mm-hmm. yeah I know what you mean e- eating less meat is tricky if you do <laughs> love meat but maybe mm-hmm. maybe one veggie meal a week <laughs> I have veg with my meat so that's done we, <laughs> we do a veggie meal a week do you yeah yeah, yeah. So, it wasn't my know. choice, but we do it. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I did watch uh, a, a YouTuber called Mark Rober, who worked for NASA and things like that. He's quite, quite really interesting to watch if anybody out there wants to go on YouTube and search him up. But he did a whole um, YouTube video on plant-based um, food. And I would give it a go. I mean, would go you? back years ago and look at what, you you know, they used to give to vegetarians. I mean, that was just disgusting. I mean, I tried it. It was rank. But apparently it's got better. And even he says that actually the um, plant burgers actually do taste like burgers. They've been genetically modified. So we're all going to be, you know, growing extra limbs in years, <laughs> and years to come. Um, but they do. It does actually taste like a burger. So for those who are meat eaters that like the taste of meat, the, some of these plant-based things that come into the market now do actually taste like it. So you, oh, you should I, give it a go I, then. I would be back. willing, but <laughs> when it comes to a barbecue, I'm, I'm sorry, but you know, the kebabs and the chicken and the burgers <laughs> and the sausages are still going on the barbecue. Uh, there's, actually, there's one tip that I took a, a good tip that I took away from that that, that everybody could do, and that's um, use a search engine called Ecosia. Have you heard of that? So basically, as you search, it plants trees. So it, the more you search, the more trees you plant. That's okay. an easy one. That's an easy win for everyone. That's, that's very easy. That's one everyone can do, really, isn't it? Yeah. There you go. Uh, 
So perfect. Well, making that simple and little change can make a massive difference. And the thing is, if everybody did that small thing, it would be a big thing. Yeah. So, you know, like I've said, I think I said last week in the podcast that I've just the one little thing I've changed our bin bags to biodegradable ones. We yeah. have black biodegradable bin bags now. That's one little difference we're making. We try and recycle as much as we can. So when we will keep trying to find new ways where we can bring in a sustainable life. Um, but going back to Liv's podcasts, you can jog on regarding that disgusting <laughs> ear clean, the plastic ear cleaner thing that she had on there. It was yeah, plastic you cotton bud. Yeah, the rubber, it's a rubber cotton bud that you then clean and you use. You again. wash off and reuse oh. it. You're not meant to put anything in your ears, though, are you? That's, that's what, what I said. That's <laughs> what I said. Uh, you should put nothing smaller than your elbow in your ear. That's what I was going to say. That's what they always say, isn't it? Nothing smaller than your elbow in your ear. Oh, wow. Indeed. Anyway, we have come <laughs> to the end of our podcast. Bronwyn, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been absolutely amazing to hear everything, actually. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I am here sat being starstruck thinking, yeah. oh, oh, get out. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, there's the name starstruck on planet Earth. Featuring Bronwyn, done. Done, there we go, there's the title. Um, if anybody's got any questions that they um, want to ask me or Nancy, again, you can contact us through the website at www.catalystyouth.org.uk. Our email address is either Anthony, Darren, or info at catalystyouth.org.uk. If you've got any questions for Bronwyn, just send them to us and we can forward them on to Bronwyn and she can send us a reply back or reply directly to you, whichever it may be. Um, either it's about the BBC or about any of the productions that she's worked on that you've um, heard during this podcast. Um, You'd have to check first, though. Yeah. Yeah. She might not give you an answer. She'll have to go to the <laughs> communication department and, you know, you might get this email, a bit like MI5 style, where it's just got black blocks over it. Yeah. Being redacted. It's, it's all redacted. Yeah. I'd be like, what is this? Oh, brilliant. Um, so, yeah, that is all from us. Um, our podcasts are available every Friday. It comes out at 2 o'clock on Spotify, Google, SoundCloud. Apple, SoundCloud, and all that sort of thing. If you haven't listened to any of our other podcasts, head back and listen to them now. There are 27 of them currently sitting there waiting for you to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, as always... Oh, I, I, well, I just about to say, before we go, Bronwyn, do you have anything else you'd like to add? Before yes. we... <laughs> I'll just, just go with the flow there. <laughs> I don't think so, no. Oh, it's been lovely to talk to you both. Oh, I feel no, like okay. I've rambled on a bit. No, no it's been brilliant. Fine. We've had a great time. It's been yeah. it's been great to chat. Thank you for joining us on it. So. Yeah, thank oh, you. It's pleasure. been brilliant. Um, we, if you want to come and join us, anybody listening for our next podcast, for if you've got a really exciting career or a really boring one, whichever, we're happy <laughs> to talk about either. You know, we ain't picky. I mean, we had Mel and Sarah on. We ain't picky. <laughs> We've anyway, this job now. This is <laughs> yeah. Let's let's say goodbye before um, my wife hears this and I'm I'll get divorced by the weekend. Uh, so as always, it's goodbye from him. And it's goodbye from him. We'll see you soon. Cheers.